Hello, everybody. It's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Yu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang, joined by Fei Fei and Josh Cutterell. Coming up on the second half of the show, as we plan our journeys to new cities, the search for authentic experiences becomes increasingly important. Some might follow the new style of city walk, while some others seek help from their local friends. However, young Chinese travelers now have figured out a third option: visiting the traditional wet markets. Today, we'll explore this fascinating travel trend, and we'll discover how are short videos on social media helping people overcome their fear of public exercise spaces. If you'd like to find us, just search for Roundtable China on your favorite podcast platforms. Now on Roundtable. In an era where viral attractions dominate our travel plans, there's a growing tribe of young people in China who are breaking away from the crowd. They're turning to traditional wet markets, once considered the heart of Chinese communities, for truly authentic experience. First things first: How big is this trend, and is it really that popular? Well, I think it's definitely popular, at least for me.、Um, during the past national holiday,、uh, I went to Hainan, and one thing I've noticed about when I'm searching online about what to do in the city that I'm visiting is that a lot of I'm not sure if they are social influencers or just、uh, regular ordinary people who surf online is that they're recommending markets. Locally,、um, they are recommending different types of markets: seafood market,、um, wet markets, or night markets, or morning markets, <laughs>、um, and and also the different spots that you can explore around those markets. And I did go check out a couple of, I think, one seafood market in particular that's really really popular online, and I saw a lot of tourists. I'm not really sure who are the locals there, but I can tell there are definitely a lot of visitors in those markets. And it's really there when I'm noticing why people keep recommending these markets is because only by going inside these that seafood wet market, I start to realize what the differences of local people in Hainan with my life here in Beijing. The seafood they like, or the seafood they don't like, the vegetables they often eat, and the different types. For example, I noticed different types of ginger that you can buy in Hainan is very different from the ones we got in Beijing. And then around those markets, you can also find small eateries or even just a little stall selling their really famous local fun. 
um, I think it's a type a kind of rice of noodle. noodle. Uh. Yes. And it's really, really sour and a little bit spicy uh, with something called like a deep fried worms as a dressing on that soup rice noodles. And it's really delicious, of course. And it's something I wouldn't know if I didn't go to the market. And that's why I start to noticing you know, there are a lot of people recommending different markets in Hainan that you can really touch the true authentic taste of Hainan in these markets. So I think right now, as many young people are looking for authenticity in their travel experience, of course, going to the local markets would be a trend that they look forward to. Mm. Hainan is definitely not the only example. Actually, on the lifestyle app Xiaohongshu, uh, the topic A Guide to the Wet Market has garnered nearly 65 million views. And on the social platform Douban, membership in the Wet Market Enthusiast group has surged to almost 160,000, which is a jump from 100,000 just three years ago. So the group of people who are, you know, wet market goers are definitely growing. So I was wondering, Josh, are you a wet market goer? Well, I wouldn't say that I'm a regular wet market goer, but coincidentally, I also went to a wet market in Hainan in, during the national holiday. Yeah. And it was really interesting. So I'm not a regular attendee of the wet market, but I really enjoy going to them. I find them to be really exciting, especially when I'm in China. They're just How? so vibrant. How many I mean, vegetables can you recognize? Because because <laughs> I, I have visited some wet markets and farmers markets and these places in Western countries as myself, and I realize I cannot name at least <laughs> half of the vegetables. It just they they are yeah. totally different species, and I don't know how to name them. I don't know how to cook them. I definitely would not try to eat them. It's, it's just you're not sure it, if they are edible. I don't know how to cook them, and I didn't have someone to tell me. And the thing is, but definitely it's a very vibrant environment, like you guys mentioned. And it's cool to see all these different things and notice how different they are. For example, I went to a uh, wet market in Yunnan province mm. and I realized that there are so many different kind of mushrooms. And I asked one of my friends going there with me, who's a foreigner, and I pointed at one kind of mushroom, asking, what is this? Mushroom. What about that? Mushroom. Can you name all the... No, of course not. I cannot name the mushrooms. There are just too many different types of mushrooms. It was really fun. And um, is that the case for you, Josh, as well? Especially in China with all the different kinds of produce. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that I can name even half of the vegetables and fruits that I see Thank in these you. markets. But, but that's what's really interesting to me. I love vegetables very much and um, <laughs> I love fruits and I really like trees and things like this as well. I like learning the names of like all the trees and stuff like this. I always have enjoyed that. So I'm happy to just look at these things and then, you know, whoever I'm with, if they happen to be Chinese and they know what it is, sometimes they don't even know what it is in the Chinese right. market, but they'll, they'll translate it for me. And, you know, the translation will be something weird because maybe it's, you know, we're unable to translate it because, as you say, it's a vegetable that's native to China that we may not have in the United Kingdom. But for me, that's so interesting. I, I love that. 
Mm. And um, actually, a lot of people visiting these wet markets are、um, kind of promoting or let's say triggering the markets, catering to their needs as well. Because some markets apparently started to offer freshly made coffee to the wet market goers. Some would allow you to have local snacks. Some would even allow you to, you know, eat breakfast just there. Just In the market, have some food.、Mm. Um, how are these trends sounds to you? Well, it really depends, because、um, I think right now, if you check on the recommendations online, that some of the netizens are not recommending some really popular wet markets, especially those who are extremely famous among young people. The reason for that is in order to. Cater to the needs of these young people and these young travelers. The markets themselves have started to shift their focus, start from selling freshly or locally bred, locally grown produce, into only selling those that can attract visitors. And that means that maybe some of the times it's not something local people would enjoy or buy, or in other cases they're just overpriced. And I think that's when the market will start to lose its authenticity and this local taste to itself, and the reason why it's becoming popular in the first place. For example, I remember when I go to the city of Suzhou, there is really one famous farmers market. I think we、we'll、call it. it's not no longer a white market because it's in a really nicely built building, and it's almost as clean as a supermarket. So I'm not saying wet markets are dirty. It's just more seems, vibrant. Yeah, it seems too neat and too <laughs> quiet at some time. And when I step into that market, I know it's not something I look. I would look forward in a market because it's just keep selling you the food that you expect you can get. Packaged ones, clean ones. Yeah, and you know the glutinous rice snacks that you、mm. would expect you can get anywhere in Suzhou or in the province of Jiangsu in that region of China, and、uh, you can see a lot of young people taking photos and videos over there, and you know from that moment this is not the market that local people go to, and it's not something I really want to experience if I want to shop in a you know farmers market or any market here. So I think that's when I think they're taking the shift a little bit too much, and making it almost a tourism destination other than something that what people are looking forward to.、Mm. So Josh, do you think、um, these kind of wet markets should maintain their traditional charm, or should they adapt to、uh, contemporary needs and preferences, or how do they strike a balance? Well, this is a question that I think many cities and Many parts of cities where people go and eat, many local food streets and famous old food streets and vendors and areas, always have to compete with.、Mm. Right, it's striking this balance between modernity and maintaining tradition and maintaining history. I mean, the thing that's really interesting about a lot of these wet markets for me is the cultural experience. Right,、mm. it's not just a place to buy food. As I mentioned, I could just go and walk around, but a lot of them really embody. Chinese culture and traditions. I think it's honestly one of the, as a foreigner being here, there it's one of the best places to go to really get an idea about Chinese culture because you see all of the produce there. And I mean, I, I'm all for some aspects of modernizing things. For example, 
hygiene and things like this. <laughs> sure. And I think that more modern techniques when it comes to, you know, Scanning QR much, code much, to pay for the yeah, bill. Uh, mm -hmm. Sure. It's much more hygienic and hygiene standards have gotten better all mm -hmm. over the world. So I'm all for that. Um, and I think there's a way of doing that without making the environment. You, you can make the cleaning surfaces sterile while not <laughs> making the environment too sterile, I think. But mm -hmm. it, it is tricky to do. Yeah. And the thing with Chinese wet market is that China is a really big country. We have vast uh, land and people with different habits and different, let's say, traditions for in different places. So visiting a wet market in different places mm. would definitely provide you with different experiences. That's, I think, one of the reasons Chinese uh, travelers started to, let's say, come up with this new trend. But I was wondering, what's the situation in Western countries, especially in the UK? Uh, do young people, young travelers in UK have similar trend when they visit, maybe not only within the country, but when they travel around Europe or even around the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, markets are super popular all over the world. Um, and in Europe, I think every country I've been to in Europe, Often in the cities, there'll be a market that you go to. Now, defining what a wet market really is, is another question to some degree, right? But um, I would say that they are partly wet markets. Um, uh, in the UK, if you've ever been to London, some of the most famous places are the markets. And they're super popular with young people. And every year, maybe once, twice, even three times a year, the market will have some sort of carnival, usually in the summer, oh. of course, when it's warm. Um, and yeah, there'll be combinations of outside parties. They'll sometimes take over the street. So it'll actually <laughs> be on the street in the UK. Um, it won't be under it. There are wet markets that are sort of, you know, under the roofs and in these sort of warehouse type structures that you might see more traditionally in China. They do have those. But also in the UK, there's a lot of markets just occupying streets on the street level. That sounds really cool. And I think I've uh, yeah. visited a Christmas market. Um, yeah, it was really fun as well. Yeah, with yeah. a certain theme, you'd be able to enjoy things in a mm. different perspective. It was pretty cool. Mm. And apparently a lot of a lot of different people from different aspects started to notice the trend and even, you know, take advantage of it. We see some big name brands started to transform a wet market into their style and make a total market campaign. And there is this um, economist, which I personally pretty like, Xue Zhaofeng. He started a course. He's promoting his new book and talking about the economist in a wet market actually in a wet market. So turning that into his stage. And another uh, brand started to package over 1,000 of their books into a, I think it's kind of like a fruit basket, but it's in the form of a blind box. So you can open the box and you do not know what book are you getting, but it's all pretty much fun. So do you think these kind of, you know, big brands occupying wet market would help the popularity of the wet markets or it will hurt the authenticity of these places? 
Well, I think it definitely helps because apparently a lot of the wet markets and farmers markets are struggling right now, especially here in China because of the online shopping, because of the big or small supermarkets, and I think among especially among the young younger、uh, generation. Where we have more sources to do our daily grocery shopping, going to a wet market is not the number one choice anymore. But then I think it will be very difficult for a city to survive if you don't have any of the wet markets. And I think with these artists, economists, or those people who have a say in the society, start to getting involved in promoting white markets, really helping these markets to find a new way in a new age, in a new society. And especially considering here in China, I think in a lot of countries as well, is that white markets are often demonized. As the source for a lot of the transmissive diseases, or is not really hygiene, or they're、um, brutally killing animals. But actually, in fact, if you really been to those markets, it's not really true anymore. Especially in recent years, for example, in my neighborhood in Beijing, they've I think they've renovated all wet markets in my neighborhood into something really new and clean, and the、um, vegetables are lined up pretty neatly. And of course, there is no killing of animals on the spot anymore. And so, is they're also trying to transform their image in the society and to better fit into the current modern society. And I think with these brands, artists, especially, I've also noticed some artists taking photos, retelling the vendor stories. That can be very interesting as well. Is helping people around the world. Uh, of all ages to get to know these vendors and to know these markets a little bit more, so that we do not lose touch with our food and with the people who grow, sell, and package our food as well.、Hmm. So, Josh, Prada or bookstore in a market? What do you think? Well, some of the markets that I mentioned in London, these ones on the street level, they. Will sell some of these things. To be honest, they're very, they're, they're very,、um, yeah, they're, they're pretty upmarket. Some of the products, even the food produce, can be pretty expensive and pretty niche, you know,、uh, but delicious and pretty special. But yeah, you,、um, you're more likely to get better deals in a proper wet market or supermarket. So I've, I've, I've seen all of this. What do I think about it? I mean, it's not something that I'm particularly interested in, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Making them trendy, making them fashionable, and、yeah. giving it a new look. But if we're not talking about these very fashionable new wet markets, I think for the traditional ones, they definitely have a place in preserving local culture and traditions. In those markets, you get to. You really do get to experience the local culture and the, what local people are doing within these markets, and it's. The human touch. You can chat with your favorite vendor. You can tell them what you're trying to make for today's meal, and they would maybe give you one or two chives on top of what you have already bought. Like ah, this would help you make your、uh, meal a little more delicious as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember those conversations. I've had you know similar conversations here in China and also elsewhere in the world when you are trying to cook something and you're not really sure which. 
For example, there are five types of pears in front of you, <laughs> and you want to make some sort of a pear pie, but you're not really sure what kind of pear is the one that you want. And you know, have a conversation with the vendors and to get to know the five different types of pears is always pleasant, and the vendors are always fun. Has a lot of wisdom in life as well, and especially if you're doing that with someone that is not in your hometown. If you're traveling, actually talking to vendors in local wet markets would. Definitely give you more information about what local people's lifestyle is, and maybe you can steal one or two recipe that in the future that could be your favorite dish. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, are you bothered by gym intimidation? I might have just found you a solution. The shy girl workouts videos on social media. Stay tuned to find out more. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, Neil Honglin, Fei Fei, and Josh Cotterell. The fear of gyms dominated by men and intimidating equipment is a real barrier for many female fitness enthusiasts, which is why some fitness influencers are using social media platforms to break down these barriers, offering hashtag #ShyGirlWorkouts designed for those who want to exercise in a low-pressure, body-positive environment. What are these videos about, and are they really helpful? Um, they're definitely helpful. Um, but I think you know social media platforms are really good at remodeling old ideas and into something new. And apparently, these shy girl workouts. When I check out the videos, they're basically mostly home workouts that you know、ah. the things you can do at home with minimal equipments. And especially if you're not looking for bulky、um, physical results. That you just want to, you know, look more fit or to improve your posture, and of course, those workouts can help with that. Also, I think for、um, those who haven't started workout yet, of course, going to a gym with a lot of、um, people screaming, doing lifting weights, sweating there can be <laughs> a little bit too much to handle.、Mm. And I think these videos definitely can help with that. But I'm not sure about you know it's a new trend, of course, but it's not a new idea. I think. Yeah, but actually, these、um, shy girl workout videos have already gained half a billion views on social media. People really go watch these videos because, to many people, the gym intimidation is a real problem that poses a hurdle for those who you know who are keen to exercise but are yeah putting off. A little bit、um, from going to unfamiliar fitness centers. So, Josh, do you have that problem? You you're definitely not a shy girl working out target audience, I would <laughs> assume. But do well, men feel intimidated by unfamiliar workout equipments at all? I think so.、Oh. Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, I think that it's different. I mean, it must be different, and I can't. Fully empathise with the situation, the context that we're talking about, right? But definitely, men feel nervous to try out new equipment in the gym. I think、uh, many people do, but for slightly different reasons. I think that if we're talking about being sensitive or talking about ego in this 
regard I, I think that it's slightly different mm, because um, but yeah yeah because I myself if I think back I think initially I um, have experienced a little bit of um, intimidation because mm. I'm not going to say I have body issue but you would definitely feel a little anxious around like Fefe said bulky very um, strong big man and they're they're lifting and some of them are not screaming or shouting but they're definitely making voices mm. to help them you know lift the very heavy stuff and when you enter that area you feel you feel like you don't know where to put your hand and foot you don't know what to do and that is definitely a problem and different people have different ways to solve that problem some would even resort to a professional personal trainer yeah, that's my resort, is that when I first stepped into a gym, I felt like everybody was staring at me. But in fact, no one was looking at me. It's just, it feels like you are getting judged because maybe you don't know how to use this equipment or maybe my body doesn't look in a certain way. And you feel like people keep judging me the minute I walk past them. And so hiring a personal trainer to teach me how to use those equipment and how to get to know the environment in a gym is really helpful. And, you know, after a period of time, I start to feel more comfortable even at a completely new gym to me. And I feel very confident. I know people are not staring. I know those bulky men who are lifting weights, they're not <laughs> staring, they're just blanking out because they just lifted a very heavy weight <laughs> and they can't think. I won't worry about getting judged. I stop feeling anxious. I think it's also a phase of getting comfortable with myself as well. But I think for other people, especially who don't have the resources or who still feel the intimidations at gyms, of course, working out at home would be another option that everybody can explore. Mm. Well, we see these kind of trend, the shy girl workouts video getting a lot of attention. But at the same time, sometimes with so many people with perfect figure on social media, you feel like maybe people are supposed to be like that. Maybe my beer belly is not supposed to be there. And these kind of anxiety definitely is there. So, Josh, um, do you think social media platforms are helping more people in ways like starting a shy girl workout trend or feel the ongoing perfect figure anxiety? Well, I, it's definitely a double-edged sword here because social media has, we can see quite clearly that social media has um, influenced younger generations, especially to be more healthy and to stay in shape. We can just see that with differences, generational differences, for example, between my generation, um, when I was growing up in my early adult years compared to Gen Z today, <laughs> that they, for example, drink a lot less alcohol, they smoke a lot less, they exercise a lot more, mm. they eat more healthily. Um, and that is in part because of social media, because social media promotes a perfect figure and a perfect lifestyle. The pressure that it brings psychologically and the damages <laughs> that social media has on use mentally is also pretty evident as well. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, mm. is, is the juice worth the squeeze? I mean, is it a fair trade-off? Uh, I'm really not sure. I mean, I wish that I'd been that healthy when I was growing <laughs> up, but also I'm really glad that I didn't have social media. So 
I'm not sure which one's worse, to be honest. Well, I think our listeners can decide for themselves. And sure. at least one thing I'm very happy about this is that、uh, sometimes we advocate for don't be shy, just go there and love yourself and be confident. That is sometimes just not enough for a lot of people. So now, at least some people are coming up with a solution that shy people can use. That's definitely a good thing. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thanks, Fefe and Josh. It's been a pleasure. Having you at our table. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. I'm Niu Honglin. See you next time.